You are listening to the Marketing Rescue Podcast, the weekly show where we take a look at some epic marketing failures, along with some pretty amazing brand rescues and comebacks. And now your hosts, Nico and Chad. Hey, Chad. Yeah. When you think about the ancient Egyptians, they're very industrialized, right, for their time. What did they use for deodorant while they were building the pyramids? Because you could think, is it in Egypt, hot? What do you think they did? The Nile River. <laughs> no, I'm sure they were so technologically advanced, they probably had something, but I don't know what it is. Yeah, they invented perfumed baths that they would apply liberal amounts of perfume in the underarms after the bath. They also tried incense and even porridge as deodorant. Mm. And women would place a glob of scented wax on their forehead that will then slowly melt throughout the day, spreading a pleasant scent, as well as making it not so pleasant. It was very messy, but very effective. (laughs) Wow. I I think I had heard something about that before, about the melting wax. Yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah. So we are going to be talking about a interesting brand today. I think a brand that everybody knows. And then on the show, we talk about brand failures and we talk about brand rescues. Usually we talk about brands you're very familiar with making either strange or smart decisions that we unpack on the show. But today we're going to be talking about a brand that you think you know, but with a history that you probably don't. Mm. Sounds intriguing. Let's keep the suspense. Yes. (laughs) This brand, I think, It's been pretty widely covered. As we get into this, most everybody will probably just immediately recognize the commercial spots and have some level of familiarity with the story. Nearly to the point that we nearly decided not to do an episode on this. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We're like, ah, is this even worth covering because it's so well known? But it's one of those things that it's so well known because it's very instructive. It's a really powerful, good example. So... Hopefully, we'll be able to bring a few kind of additional spins that you may not have heard before, but at the end of the day, it's pretty well known, so most of you probably will be familiar with it. That being said, let's dive in. So in the early 1900s, a man named William Lightfoot Schultz starts a company called, unsurprisingly, the Lightfoot Schultz Company. They made shaving soap out of a factory in Hoboken, New Jersey. And in 1919, thinking he was making a good business deal, Schultz sold part of the company to the American Razor Blade Company. So shaving soap and razor blades together. Pretty good idea. Yeah, not bad. So just about 15 years later, Schultz was forced out of the company that he had started He sold control to the American Razor Blade Company and left. With the money he made from the sale, he decides to start a new business. He stays with what he knows, right? Making fragranced soaps, toiletries, at this point having the soaps primarily for women. The fragrances he used are based on actually a jug that his mother had in her house. It was heavily scented with rose petals, clove and potpourri and she used the scented jug to deodorize the home to freshen the air much like the air fresheners we use today and she referred to these as her old spice jugs hence the name old spice Uh (laughs) aha 
Yeah, in 1937, he released his first product, a woman-centered called Early American Old Spice. And in 1938, he saw the need to productize for men and he released his first Old Spice product to the male consumer. Old Spice was a massive success. And his products for men were so successful, they stopped making women's fragrances altogether in 1939. Old Spice focused on shaving creams and aftershave lotions as well. And during this time, we were right in the middle of World War II. Mm. Old Spice became a symbol of American patriotism as soldiers carried their little porcelain bottles across the borders into the world during the wartime. Schultz leaned into the traveling wanderlust image and he used sailing ships as his brand to make people feel really patriotic. And the Old Spice brand did well after World War II as well, way into the 1940s. But Schultz passed away in 1950, and he left the business to his son, George, who took over during this time. And after a few years, without his father's keen business sense to guide him, the business started to decline. So this was in the 1950s. So let's play a quick ad of a commercial of 1957. Old Spice means quality, said the captain to the bosun. So ask for the package with the ship that sailed the ocean. Yo-ho, yo-ho. Here's a fellow who looks and feels like the top of the morning. That's because he's starting his day the Old Spice way. Old Spice aftershave lotion. The happiest ending a shave ever had. And it's good for your skin. Makes your face wake up, tingles it to a clean, fresh feeling. Fresh as the spray of the surf. And you'll really like that good, tangy Old Spice scent. Bright and bracing as an ocean breeze. Now what does all this luxury cost? Just one dollar. And never did a dollar bring you so much. So add spice to your life. Get Old Spice aftershave lotion by Shulton. Just one of many famous Old Spice grooming aids for men. That's Old Spice aftershave lotion from the laboratories of Shulton. Oh, man, the tooth fairy don't even bring $1 anymore. (laughs) We have this thing with the tooth fairy in our house where there's been, uh, you know, I'm ashamed to say it, but a couple of times where the tooth fairy forgot and came late. And so... What horrible lie did you have to concoct this time? Oh, I know, I know. So usually when we do the Tooth Fairy, it's a big production in our house because we have three girls and so fairies are like a thing, right? So we'll take the dollars and my wife Tiffany, she'll put glitter all over it, colored glitter, and there'll be this fancy note to thank them for the tooth and describe how they're going to use the tooth and all of this kind of stuff. It's like this big production. So, well, we kind of like forgot one time. And so then we got into a situation where we had to come back and say, you know, the tooth fairy was sick, but every day the tooth fairy didn't show up. She had to pay double. And so then the kids started saying, I hope the tooth fairy doesn't show up because then I can make a lot of money. You guys are sick puppies. (laughs) Uh, So we, we do get some dollars every once in a while from the tooth fairy. Nice. (laughs) That's a great ad. It's like the whole old voiceover and cartoonesque type visual production. We'll throw that in the show notes. It's really, really sweet. Love that. And as often happens when a brand is so strongly identified with a particular generation, the audience ages, right? And the 
product's popularity wanes. That's exactly what happened to PBR too, right? Just yeah. Like younger people and there aren't a next wave of consumers waiting in the flanks. <laughs> right. That's exactly right. what happened here too. Right. Exactly. It was very strongly anchored, no pun intended, to this kind of Navy wartime veteran type of group. I remember my granddad having that in his bathroom. Whenever we went to go and visit, you could see a little porcelain bottle Yeah, with a little ship on top of it. That's what I associated with. Yeah. Yeah. Same here. That was like my first like experience with a cologne or aftershave-ish type of thing was yeah. my dad's old porcelain bottle of Old Spice. So by the 1970s, the brand really starts to fall so far that they're becoming ripe for merger. They're still making a lot of money, doing a lot of sales, but they are clearly in decline. And in 1972, Old Spice merges with American Cyanamid, a Fortune 500 manufacturer with 100,000 plus employees. So the glory days of the brand are kind of like past at this point. The younger generation thinks of Old Spice as a brand for their grandfathers, a scent for old people. Yeah. Even the name <laughs> is a little too on the nose for the reputation that it's developing, <laughs> <Old> right? Spice. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. So there's just nothing current, nothing attractive about the brand at this point in time. Then it's just withering away. Yeah, and they also a lot of different branding attempts to change that perception. Mm. The brand seemed to be kind of like caught between younger surfer people and the older generation. And they was trying to identify with the sea, but in a new way, basically. Let's play a quick ad from 1970 with this theme. success. Old Spice. The classic fragrance. The mark of a man. Yeah, that ad played in South Africa when I was growing up, and it's a guy surfing with a beautiful woman in the background. It's obviously very dramatic. But just two years later, they had another ad. Let's play that quickly. 1972. Wake up. Wake up with Old Spice and feel the freshness of the open sea. Wake up with Old Spice, feel the spray on your face, and the wind at your back. Come on, wake up to the freshness of the open sea with Old Spice, and get a super smooth shave with Old Spice Shave Cream. So as you can hear, it's the exact same treatment as in the 1970 <laughs> <laughs> It's very consistent. <laughs> that was part of their problem, it's just two years later, and you can see they just 
a completely different treatment and everything about it is different. That's a sailor on a ship talking about the product that's got nothing to do with surfing and nothing to do with the hot coal that he had. So the story went on and they really struggled to find the identity or more importantly, they struggled to find their target audience as their existing target audience was busy aging. So in 1990, Cincinnati-based Procter & Gamble bought what was left of the brand for $300 million. Cincinnati. Cincinnati. <laughs> yes. You know, I moved from Europe to Cincinnati. It was my first American city that I landed from London. It's a little bit of a culture shock. <laughs> I'm sure that was a little bit of an adjustment, but <laughs> you know, you were able to work on a lot of Procter & Gamble brands. Yeah. yeah. WPP, where I worked in London for five years, Wonderman bought a small agency in Cincy that had the PNG account. And you can say what you want to say about Cincinnati. It is beautiful and Procter & Gamble is the best in the business, right? I yeah. learned so much of working on the brand for five years. So, And I, that's where I met my wife. So it was worth the move. Yeah, we always joke about it. I stopped in Cincinnati on the way to the West Coast yeah. to pick up <laughs> Megan. <laughs> that, that's great. Yeah, so they get it for a bargain, right? I mean, 300 million, of course, at the time may have seemed like possibly overpriced, but this is Procter & Gamble, right? They know value when they see it and they know how to use data to turn things around. So the press release stated that P&G liked the men's toiletries market and felt the acquisition gave them a strong foothold in the male toiletries market worldwide. P&G had a vision for the brand. They were looking to get into the male market and P&G doesn't do anything small. It's just go big or go home kind of a thing. So P&G's chairman and CEO at the time, Edwin Arts, said he believed Old Spice had the quality and reputation to be a major worldwide brand. But first, they had to get past the perception of Old Spice as their grandpa's brand. And here's, I think, the, for me, I think the really instructive piece for marketers, it's how do you actually change perceptions that are so strongly embedded? Because where they were at that point in time was a very long history that got them there. The brand was old at that point. Everybody knew about it. It was very ingrained culturally and perceptionally. So that's like a really tall order to change something that's so deeply ingrained, right? But you know, it's interesting. We just recently recorded an episode on Clearly Canadian, which leaned into their nostalgia. So did we mm. do on PBR and on Polaroid, right? These are brands that leaned into the nostalgia that saved the brand. Right. Where here, the nostalgia was hurting the brand. Yeah. Right. <laughs> There's no one size fits all approach yeah, to branding, marketing, any of that kind of stuff. Yeah. So PNG had a few different strategies that they employed. Rather than targeting adult men, they went after tweens or tweeners who had yet to declare loyalty to the brand. Mm. So they were still targeting the older generation, but they were basically playing the long game, you know, trying to introduce a new target audience into the category, you know, the tweeners and teens. They handed out free samples of their high endurance sub-brand to kids. Listen to this. 90% of all fifth graders in America got a sample. 
That is crazy, right? Unbelievable. Through the schools. Like what a logistical undertaking that would be. They had the money to give the product basically just away and to get it directly in the hands of their new target audience and taking an out-of-the-box strategy was part of it. They focused on the sports crowd, suggesting a coloration between their product and athletic proudness. So they directly took on this perception of being old by challenging the perceptions that went along with it. So Old Spice can't be old if it's being used by young, athletic guys, you know, sports heroes, and just in general, very spry, athletic young people. So they went grassroots, sending reps with promo swag to high school games and skate park events. Sounds kind of a little bit like PBR strategy that we Mm -hmm. talked about. And during this time, they're also expanding their product lines to include a suite of washes and sprays and provide more variety and utility as more categories are popping up. They package it in forms that their audience would want to use. And they don't stick with the old formats and expect the audience to come to them. Like, for example, using body wash versus bar soap. So how does all of this work? Does the PNG marketing machine that we know so well hit it out of the park? No, it failed miserably <laughs> at this point. <laughs> what? Uh, unfortunately, <laughs> yeah, not, not only were they unable to break through the perception of Old Spice, As for older men, the timing was just horrendous. In 2002, Axe Body Spray launched in the US and basically dominated the market that P&G was hoping to tap into. Axe was everywhere and they had a very, very cunning marketing campaign, advertising campaign that just really resonated with the same audience that P&G was trying to convert. And Old Spice still smelled like your grandpa at this point. So they go back to the drawing board. In 2006, P&G hires a new ad agency to help them reinvigorate the brand. In 2008, they release a campaign that was super funny, but not very effective promoting their swagger product lines. Ads like this one featuring NFL star Brian Erlacher touted Old Spice as the guy's secret weapon to get the ladies. I, Brian Erlacher, challenge thee to an honor duel. A what? An honor duel. <laughs> that was me, Brian Erlacher. Then I started using swagger from Old Spice. Who's laughing now? (laughs) Me. I don't know. That doesn't really do anything for me. (laughs) It's a pretty well-known football player, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. They tapped into that star power, but it really just didn't move the needle against Axe, who was tapping into, you know, this kind of sex sells kind of a thing with this younger teens and young adult target audience, they just don't have the impact that they need. And so even though it makes a little bit of progress, the brand doesn't really go anywhere at that point. Yeah. So P&G does what P&G does and looks at data and basically turns it on his head. Working on Proctor for such a long time, that is what they're good at, looking at consumer data and really, really drawing good insights from it. So in 2010, they identified a key insight that 60% of men body wash are purchased by women. 
right? Because they go to the store and they buy stuff for their husbands or their boyfriends and so on. So the old Spice team led by brand manager James Moorhead really keyed into this fact. And they also emphasize the importance of humor in reaching across gender lines, right? They're not going to have a X type of campaign marketed to a woman because it'll just annoy them and frustrate them. And it's just inappropriate for that matter. Right. Moorhead said categories like deodorant and body washes tend to be what we call low involvement. So humor is a great way to spark interest and create a deeper connection with a brand. The combination of insights led to one of the most iconic campaigns in recent memory. And let's play this quick ad and then I'm sure everybody would recognize it. Hello, ladies. Look at your man. Now back to me. Now back at your man. Now back to me. Sadly, he isn't me. But if he stopped using ladies' scented body wash and switched to Old Spice, he could smell like he's me. Look down. Back up. Where are you? You're on a boat with the man your man could smell like. What's in your hand? Back at me. I have it. It's an oyster with two tickets to that thing you love. Look again. The tickets are now diamonds. Anything is possible when your man smells like Old Spice and not a lady. I'm on a horse. <laughs> That's just awesome. I totally remember when that came out. Yeah. Like literally emailing links to like yeah. buddies in the office and going, oh my gosh, did you see this? This is freaking really amazing. Well. The fact that you did that, it, it appealed to women and to men. Yes. So it's like a, a very good treatment that sparks interest in both sexes. Right. That's the amazing thing about it is they nailed them both. And the campaign is known as the man your man could smell like. And so if for some reason you've been living under a rock and haven't seen the original ad, go to our website at marketingrescuepodcast.com and watch it in the show notes. It's worth it. Even if you've seen it a hundred times, just one of those things that just, it's just so unique at that time. And the way they launched it was amazing. They ran the ad in theaters on Valentine's nice. Day. Before airing it on TV, they put it on the Old Spice Facebook fan page. By using social media, they could tell how the ad was doing and with what audience. And this was back in the days when Facebook was new mm. and people weren't really sure how to leverage it from an advertising perspective. So Moorhead noted that they knew that a quarter of the brand's fans on Facebook were female. So the ad campaign empowered those women to choose Old Spice, not because it's what their man would want, but because it's what they want mm -hmm. their man to smell like. And according to the promise of the campaign, to be like. Mm. So the combination of humor and creativity and speaking directly to the female audience without alienating the actual users of the product just resonated in a way that I think nobody really expected. It was successful, but just how successful was it? Oh man, I'm going to try not to rattle <laughs> just data at you, but it, it is actually really interesting to look at the campaign analytics. In day one, the campaign reached 5.9 million YouTube views. And to put it in perspective, that's more than Obama's victory speech after 24 hours. Jeez. In day two, Old Spice had eight out of the top 11 most popular videos on the web. On day three, the campaign eclipsed 20 million YouTube views. And week one post-launch, the work had been seen 40 million times. Twitter followers increased 
Facebook fans interaction went up with 800%. Facebook fans increased 60% from 500,000 to 800,000. And I can go on and on and on. But Old Spice also became the number one all-time most viewed and number two most subscribed brand channels on all of YouTube from this campaign. <laughs> so yeah, it, it was successful. Uh, just a little bit. Crazy, right? <laughs> Amazing. This is like the definition or the textbook example of viral video and viral marketing. I mean, there's no way they could have even predicted how successful it could have been. You know, the star of the video is this unknown actor at the time, Isaiah Mustafa, who is now an overnight celebrity when this hits and becomes one of the most recognizable faces and voices in America. So PNG is hit it out of the park with a new campaign, this new star who is young, he's desirable, he's confident, basically just everything the brand wanted to be. And Mustafa ends up doing all of these big TV appearances like Ellen, and just about every talk show, you know, you can think of. And they all, of course, ask him to do the voice and say it like in the commercials and all of the women end up swooning. And it's all of these extra impressions. The, wo and the woman end up what? Swooning. <laughs> swooning. Yeah. It's like when they're like, oh. Ah. <laughs> Is that a word you use in your household a lot? Swooning. No, okay. <laughs> I don't think that my wife swoons over much that I do. So, <laughs> so no, it's not used very That's much in our house. True. That's not true. There's plenty of swooning going on from Tiffany's side. I've seen it firsthand. <laughs> because she's very generous <laughs> and forgiving. But yeah, the question becomes like, can you sustain this? How do, yeah. you, how do you take this massive wave and ride it and keep it rolling? With such a hugely successful campaign, there's always anticipation for what's going to come next. And is this just a flash in the pan? Yeah, and they had to like strike while the iron's hot at this right. point, right? So they did something amazing. They followed up the campaign with like an amplification campaign. Five months later in July, they released a video series of the Old Spice Man. The character never released his name. And he responded to individual tweets, social media comments for regular people and also for celebrities alike. And this was another huge, huge success and it really kept the momentum going. So let's play a quick clip of that. Alyssa Milano tweets, genius. Shirtless Old Spice guy replies on Twitter via hilarious personalized videos. Thanks Alyssa. But you wanna know what's really genius? A father who cares so much about his daughter and her future that he comes up with a unique and groundbreaking plan to move from their questionable New York City neighborhood to upscale suburban Connecticut with its better schools and then sacrifices pride by becoming a housekeeper for a middle-aged woman and her son and her mother. I mean, what we're doing is cool, Alyssa, but that is genius. It is genius. People felt like they had basically a direct conversation with the brand. They would tweet something, comment something, and then the old Spice Man makes a little vignette talking to them. It's fantastic. And the most important thing that it did, it gave the old Spice brand a very fresh, cutting-edge perception among the new target audience. Yeah. It's just so amazing and so connective with your target audience. And Isaiah Mustafa talks about the experience of producing that campaign, how fun it was, how exhausting it was, how effective it was. And he says, quote, 
I get emotional when I think about that. For three days, the goal was 300 videos, 100 videos a day. That is crazy. It's insane. For three days, 12 hours a day, we sat there and every seven minutes we cranked out a new video. There was a team of writers at the table and I would read it out loud to make sure that's what they wanted. And then I would read it on camera. We'd be laughing through it because it was funny, but we had to stop ourselves to do the next one. The only thing that slowed us up was trying to choose whose response to get to or what prop we could crowbar in there. But that was honestly some of the funniest times we've had with Old Spice. And I think that's where the character was really crafted in those three days because we answered so many questions and reached out to so many people and said so many wacky things. You would have died laughing. Everybody was on the floor. It was feverish. It was like a two-minute drill. You had to get it in so you could get to the next one. Amazing stuff. They're all on their brand channel, right? You can actually yeah, go yeah, watch them. still up on YouTube. As with all things like this, the fever passed. It's impossible to sustain this kind of buzz ongoing. But one thing that Old Spice did through this, they completely changed their perception and almost overnight opened up an entire new audience. There's a lot of things that we can learn from this. And perhaps it is that they didn't succeed the first time around and they actually changed their strategy. You know, they're going after the tweens initially and then they decided it's not working and they looked at the data and they came up with a different strategy. We've seen so many times in the show that a lot of brands that are invested in their strategy just double down and then they exponentially amplify their mistakes. And I think that's something that Procter & Gamble does really well. They can pivot really fast and they did that right here. They didn't just keep on trying, they kept on digging into the data to find new insights that would spark a new fire right. that led to this. And I think there's a lot to be said in that. As marketers, we tend to get hung up on specific pieces of data that tells mm. our story. Mm. Yeah. Because <laughs> you can look at a lot of information. But I think taking a step back and going back to the drawing board when it's appropriate, when something's not working, is very hard but also very important sometime. And then finally, for me, the insight that women are making the purchases for men was really clear. And they didn't just find the data. I think a lot of brands would be scared to tap into that, but they really acted on it. They created a very, very smart, like we just listened, funny campaign that spoke to women about what they wanted their man to be. And that is... Just wicked smart. Yeah. And to your point about going back and being willing to relook at things that aren't working and to keep trying and keep moving forward, that's one of the things that Procter & Gamble is so good at. They understand how to pace themselves, mm. right? When to push, when to be patient. And as they started to see the amazing results happening from social media, there wasn't an immediate strong uptick to sales. And right. so there had to have been some conversations about, okay, well, sales didn't necessarily massively go up the next week. Do we kind of continue with this? But I think they recognized the reality of how they were impacting their target audience and how they were truly connecting with them in a meaningful way and trusted that process that they know and have leveraged so many times over so many brands over so many years of creating emotional connections through an insight. And then that 
came to fruition. The campaign launched in February, right around the Super Bowl, and sales were up 60% by May and 125% by July. So it did take a little bit of time for the sales to catch up with the brand momentum, but it worked in a big way. Yeah, not only did the sales go up, they also changed the brand perception moving forward. Right. And I really encourage all of you to go to the show notes on our site and look at these videos. They, they're really, really funny and really good. All right. Thanks, guys. Speak to you guys next week. Bye. You've been listening to the Marketing Rescue Podcast. This show is hosted by Nico Katsia and Chad Childress, the co-founders of KPI Agency, a marketing rescue agency. Be sure to visit marketingrescuepodcast.com to join the conversation, access the show notes, contact the hosts, and discover fantastic bonus content.